Welcome to Primity, where we find simple techniques to help address modern problems for our primitive bodies. My name is Andrew Pafford, and I'm a health and wellness professional with over a decade of experience helping Olympic athletes, desk jockeys, and seniors achieving their goals and improving their quality of life. Our purpose with Primity is to distill results of scientific findings into easily approachable strategies and techniques to improve health and wellness for everyday life. Today, we're going to be talking about soft tissue work and why should you care. The main reason we would recommend doing quote-unquote soft tissue work, and we'll delve into what that means in a little bit, is for a number of factors. It can reduce muscle tension, adhesions, lesions, whatever you want to call those, trigger points, knots, that can affect our ability to perform, such as range of motion, um, correct range of motion, so motor mechanics, pain, and even performance as well. So depending on your goals, the soft tissue work can aid you invariably. However, there are many different types of soft tissue work out there. We're not going to go into every single one of them into gory detail, but we're going to give you sort of the nuance of when certain techniques would be appropriate depending on your particular problem or your particular goal as well. So not all soft tissue techniques were created equal. And there's actually about three different ways that there can be some sort of musculoskeletal or even neuromuscular problem that soft tissue could actually help or potentially cause issue with. So we're going to dive in a little bit more and see if we can't tease out some of the problems that tend to ail people and what tools would be good or potentially bad for those situations. So... Numero uno on the list, let's talk about picking up from where we left off with last session, HRMT, or Human Resting Muscle Tone. Again, remember this is the built-in, essentially, tenacity or muscle activation at rest. So when you are sitting in a chair or you're sitting on your couch, you are not 100% disengaged. If you were to completely shut off, you'd probably slowly slide off your couch like a, in a fleshy blob of jello, right? You're actually still controlling your head, your gaze, your breathing. It's not really HRMT, but the voluntary muscles that you can control, you're not actively thinking about it, but they're still performing without any input. So what this means is that over time, muscles can be innately, for lack of a better description, trained to stay active. And so what ends up happening is by performing certain tasks very, very repetitiously, such as sitting at your desk, we can train our bodies to begin to essentially hold or stay engaged even when we're not telling them to. So even if the brain is not sending signals to, say, your hip flexors to stay on, your hip flexors stay on even when you don't want them to. So first and foremost, how do we address this? When we do soft tissue work, there are a number of different techniques that can be involved, whether you're doing it to yourself, such as self-myofagial release, whether you're having it done to you, such as a massage, and then those can even vary greatly from like a Swedish massage, which is a very superficial light, to a deep tissue massage, where it feels like someone's pulling you apart like beef jerky. Um, there are obviously many different ver various techniques, but when it comes to HRMT, or that human resting muscle tone, 
what we're actually trying to do for this particular instance, and this is again one study that's shown a lot of proof, is looking at deactivating the muscle at the mechanical level. And what I mean by that is the muscles themselves, just like we have gears in a machine that turn, you have essentially these finger-like projections within the muscles that form together that form a bridge called an actin-myosin bridge. These are the parts of the muscle cell. Now, on some level, that muscle is staying on even without getting input. And I guess a metaphor for this is imagine your car is on and it's running, ergo you are alive, your car is not off, aka you're not dead or asleep. If you are on, the car is on and it's in gear, the car will actually move on its own when you take your foot off the brake. This is known as creep. So if you're on a hill and you take your foot off the brake, your car doesn't roll backwards into the car behind you before you can get to the throttle. This is a feature that almost every car has unless you drive a manual car. With the body, you could almost think of your resting muscle tone as creep. The muscle is on, it's working, but you're not telling it to do anything. The car is in gear, you've not put your foot on the throttle, and yet your car is slowly inching forward. So it's nothing drastic, but it's obvious that something is going on. You're not telling yourself to hold your head up, and yet your head stays up. You can still put your foot on the throttle, aka you can still control your head and look around, but if I'm no longer thinking about controlling my head, my head does not just simply fall over, right? That creep doesn't just disappear. That's the HRMT. So if, let's say, your car has an insane amount of creep where if you're not putting your foot on the throttle, but it goes 15 miles an hour, that can be pretty dangerous. That's akin to some quick acceleration, and that can cause some problems. So translate that into the body. If my muscles are working at a relative clip when I'm not telling them to, that can be causing a lot of ear interference. In this case, if my hip flexors are staying engaged when I'm not telling them to and I'm trying to walk around, they can negatively affect my posture by making me overextend at my low back and create low back pain. So how do we throw, how do we essentially undo this creep? Since it is an intrinsic property that we're trying to manipulate, we have to address intrinsic tools within the muscle. So one thing that we can tap into is a very particular part of the muscle called the Golgi tendon organ, or GTO for short. Basically, you can think of this as the emergency off switch for muscles. So the GTO is essentially a pressure switch where if the muscle is under so much tension, it will trigger the emergency off switch so that the muscle shuts off. The reason being is if we are contracting our muscles so hard, we don't want it to tear or rip itself off of the bone because that would not be a good look. That usually does not heal well without surgical intervention. And since our bodies aren't aware of surgery intrinsically, they have to have defense mechanisms put into place to try to keep themselves from getting hurt. So the GTO is your emergency off switch of, hey, things are redlining, they're about to tear or break, you need to knock it off, and so it shuts off. This is typically 
witnessed if you are doing, say, a heavy lift in the gym and you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, and all of a sudden everything just fails. To the casual observer, it looks like the lifter has given up, but the reality is that some GTOs may have been triggered and that those muscles shut off to prevent injury from happening to the lifter. Now, what's nice is that, as I mentioned, it's more of a pressure switch. You don't actually have to be loading the muscle to activate the GTO. You can also apply direct pressure to trick the muscle into disengaging. So in this instance, because we would need something with a significant amount of pressure or applied force to activate that GTO, doing something akin to like a Swedish massage or a very superficial or I guess nice relaxing um, massage, if you will, would not be effective in addressing HRMT. We would need something akin to a deep tissue massage or trigger point therapy or potentially rolfing, something where you're applying a pretty solid degree of force in order to activate those GTOs to get that intrinsic emergency off switch to activate. Once that's happened, that's when a little bit of the reprogramming can now come into play. So remember, HRMT is essentially a trained response that we've hijacked. So spending time now doing things with that muscle in the off position, so learning to stand while actively working to maintain proper posture can help facilitate keeping that muscle disengaged when you don't need it. So now doing more of that postural retraining. So doing one thing in a vacuum is likely not going to elicit a positive outcome. So in this instance, if we're trying to change HRMT, that bad programming, not only do you need to erase the programming, aka shut everything off, put it back into neutral, you then need to reprogram it. So certain things that would elicit pain previously. So in this instance, if standing for a period of time would cause that low back pain because hip flexors would take over, cause that anterior tipping in the hips, so you're now you've got that sway back, right? So if we disengage those, thinking about activating the core, I know that's a loose term and we can get a little bit more in depth, but thinking about lightly bracing or very subtle valsalva without having to hold your breath, activating the glutes. So now we're trying to encourage more of a posterior tilt to get you back into a neutral position. It's so not having to use a mirror, tactile feedback, learning to visualize and identify where is my good posture, working to maintain that good posture over a period of time. So you can be shown how to maintain good posture, but if those hip flexors are still overly active, they're going to be constantly working against you. And the moment you slip, they're going to actively pull you back into that bad position. However, using this soft tissue work now, deep tissue massage, trigger point, you name it, if you can get those muscles to disengage and then immediately follow up with that postural training, activating the good muscles without utilizing the poor ones, you're now reinforcing the good posture and you're recapturing the spirit of HRMT using these muscles that are supposed to be holding you in a good position and not allowing the ones that have gotten hijacked to pull you into a bad position. 
So in the sense of posture retraining, if you have muscle groups that have overactivated and you need them to disengage so they stop pulling you into bad postures, using more high intense methods, I would call it, like a Theragun, Rolfing, um, deep tissue massage to force those muscles to disengage. Keep in mind, if you are using these techniques and you don't see noticeable change in the moment, because remember, when you hit that emergency off switch, it should be done. It should be over and, and done with. It might come back over time, but once that's been activated, not every single muscle fiber may be triggered, but you'll be getting a good clip of them. So if you can shut half of those nerve fiber, or excuse me, those muscle fibers off, you ought to notice a night and day difference. It's not going to be a light switch where you're going to go from 100% to off. It'll be more like a dimmer switch. So from 100% to maybe 70, 60% in the first, in, in only one, and the first and only instance of having done so. You should notice a change. It might still feel like there's some residual tension, but that's normal and that's going to take time. If you do a deep tissue, you know, really aggressive soft tissue release, in the attempt to trigger the off switch, if you will, the GTOs, and you don't notice a change, HRMT might not be your problem. And that's okay, because there are two other possibilities that we're going to address using soft tissue work as well. So next we're moving on to what people would typically refer to as knots, or in the fitness industry, they might call them adhesions, lesions, you name it. So this is now born out of accumulated stressors. So what ends up happening is we've learned now in I would say probably the past decade, maybe two, a lot more about this type of connective tissue called fascia or phasia or phagia if you're an Austin Powers fan. But ultimately it is this white spider-like connective tissue that exists all over our body. We really, really discounted it until science has expanded and we've been able to measure things a little bit more appropriately or more accurately. And what we found is that this white cobwebby substance is essentially like a suspension system for everything. It holds our muscles, organs, tendons, ligaments, Anything that's underneath of our skin, it's got fascia attached to it to help hold it in its position so that things don't bump into each other and muck up the works effectively. The fascial system, just like a suspension system, is designed to hold load. It is a what we call tensile forces. So fascia is often referred to as tens has tensile integrity or tensegrity is the fun new sexy fitness term that people are giving fascia. It operates predominantly with water. When water is attached to fascia, it's known as bound H2O. And as these structures rub together, that water is released. Because if things are rubbing, rubbing things tend to make friction. And if you want to reduce, say, friction burn, you need to keep things moist and wet. This is a huge, huge reason why 
many people are advocating you need to have X amount of cups of water a day because without that water, when this fascia loses that bound H2O and it is not replenished, then that fascia starts to become dry and eventually sticky. And so instead of holding things together, it winds up getting stuck to each other. So over time, as you are moving and going about your day, when let's say, because everyone's got knee problems, if you were to, let's say, squat down or say sit into a chair and your knees start to yell at you, this may not be an issue with your knees. It could, in fact, be an issue with the muscles that control your knees because as you are going to sit, the muscles need to slide and glide underneath the surface of your skin. If that fascia that binds the skin to your muscles is no longer nice and elastic and allows the muscles to slide but becomes sticky where it's been dried out and clumped together now, hence why we use the term adhesions, what ends up happening now is the skin prohibits the muscles from sliding and gliding, so it effectively creates this tension because now the, it's affecting the muscle's ability to function correctly. And since the muscles have not necessarily a contractile tension, but a restrictive tension, with that restriction tension, they are now pulling on the knee joint with undue force, creating undue compression. And therefore, what ends up happening is what I would call a bully victim scenario, where most people feel the knees, aka the victim, but that is not what the problem is. The problem, or the bully, is actually the adhesions, lesions, what have you, that are higher up in the thighs, affecting, say, the quads in this case study. So that way, when you go to sit, the quads can't do their job appropriately. They apply, um, apply undue force and grinding in the knees, and that is end up what you feel like. So most people, this gets worse and worse and worse, and so what was not a knee problem becomes a knee problem because of the excess grinding and then, of course, people don't use their knees as well because it hurts to move. So now they're eliminating range of motion to stop the pain. Well, without adequate motion, you don't get proper nutrition in the joints. And so then the joints slowly start to die over time. And then by the time you're in your 60s and 70s, your joints are terrible. Your docs tell you, oh, well, it's arthritis because you're old and now we got to give you knee replacements. <laughs> when, ironically, if you had done soft tissue work, it wouldn't have hurt for you to be able to bend your knees. If you bend your knees adequately, they get good nutrition, your knees don't die, and now you don't need to replace them. This is why you go to a lot of third world countries that have a hole in the ground for a toilet, not a knee job in the bunch, when you've got 60s and 70 year olds being able to squat all the way down, no problem, and yet here we are, first world country with 50, 60, 70 year olds having knee replacements because they can barely sit to a high chair. I digress, but case in point, a lot of that can be addressed or attempted to be addressed simply by doing some soft tissue work. Now, in this particular instance, you could be served with the whole gamut of soft tissue. So from your 
taking an easy Swedish massage to your deep tissue, rolfing, aggressive, dry needling, what have you, in order to get these adhesions to break up. What we're trying to do is effectively, and this is the metaphor that I use for my clients, and I use the term knots in this case because most people seem to relate to that term, is if they have tension in their muscles, they typically try to stretch through it. And so I tell them, well, if you have a knot in a shoelace, do you just pull on the ends of the shoelace to get rid of the knot? No, you wind up making the knot tighter. So if you have a knot in your muscle, do you just stretch the muscle to get rid of the knot? No, it doesn't work that way. You have to massage or work the knot out, so try to loosen the knot itself up, and then once freed, then you can pull and stretch all day and that shoelace is nice and elastic. Same goes for the muscles. So doing more of the massage work to the muscles will help over time start to undo and loosen those knots and adhesions, and then it becomes much easier to stretch. And much like the negative feedback loop begets those adhesions getting worse because it becomes painful to move, so you move less, so it's easier for them to clump together. They don't get good circulation, so they continue to dry out and become stickier in a bigger knot. By doing the massage and breaking up that knot, it now becomes easier to move and less painful. So now you're more likely to use it, which in turn brings increased circulation to the area. So now those tissues are better hydrated so they don't get sticky. And now that they're staying hydrated, they're not sticky, that's not painful, and you're more likely to use it. And now it becomes a positive feedback loop which is just another long-winded explanation to say motion is lotion. So if moving hurts, being able to do some soft tissue work can lessen the pain, allows you to move more, which can now become part of the solution instead of part of the problem. So it's actually a symptom reliever and not a symptom exacerbator. But without that soft tissue linchpin, it can go in either direction. So when dealing with fascia, and even scar tissue, so any kind of adhesion, scar tissue by nature is just horrible. It's not elastic, it's not sticky, but it can be broken up. So we can kind of lump it into that same category by doing any work that's going to challenge those tissues to get rid of those adhesions, lesions, sticky points, knots, whatever you want to call it, that can help infinitely. Even a Swedish massage, albeit very superficial, might be necessary for areas where there's not a lot of meat. For example, if you are dealing with, say, your shoulder blade, it's going to be very difficult to apply enough direct pressure without going right through your rotator muscles into the bone because where they exist on your shoulder blade, on that scapula, they're very thin. So if you apply too much direct pressure, you're just pushing on bone, which is extremely painful and not productive whatsoever. So you have to be very delicate in your approach. If those muscles are tight and angry, you're not going to need much to challenge them. So even a Swedish massage or something very light could be beneficial. If you're dealing with big, thicker muscles such as hamstrings or quads, then yeah, you're probably going to need to apply a little bit more to be able to get to the deeper layers of muscles so that way all of them become addressed. Because remember that fascia is not just between skin and muscle, it's also between muscle and muscle and muscle and bone. 
So if you've got nice, thick layers of muscle like your quads or your hamstrings, and you're doing a Swedish massage, you're not getting to those deeper layers, and so you're not continuing to progress and grab and continue to loosen all the way down to fix the problem. But in your areas that are smaller, thinner muscles, Swedish would be appropriate. So this is always a exercise in saying nothing is either good or bad. It is always, is this appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish? So now getting to our third bucket of tension, this one is a little bit more cerebral no pun intended, because we're talking about a neuromuscular tension. You could almost think of this as your stress tension. This is very much for the audience who carries their stress physically. So let's say in the time span of about a, a month, even less, I've heard of something drastically happening within a week's time frame. But let's say within a month's time span, you've just been hit with one bad news after another. You lost your job, your car got repossessed, your house got repossessed, you got divorced, your dog got hit by a car, all of the horrible things. Or let's say you just have the world's worst stressful job and it is just taking its toll on you. You may not be learning poor postural activation or HRMT. So you may not be sitting at your desk for eight hours or doing a repetitive motion that could be causing these muscles to tighten up through repetitive use. You could just be stressed out and that stress can be manifesting in physical muscular tension. Not because you were doing a motion that caused that muscle to begin to tighten over time, but just because you are so stressed out that your your hand starts to ache or your neck starts to ache you're not doing anything crazy with your neck you're not craning your neck to look at your computer screen you're not you know playing in a heavy metal band and head banging all the time and giving yourself whiplash just over time your neck starts to hurt i mean everyone has probably heard of tension headaches right some of that is from how we get in a defensive posture where we raise our shoulders when we feel threatened but some of it is also just stress. There is a condition called conversion syndrome where the brain makes the muscles in the body tense up. Not everyone has this. It's a very rare but unfortunate condition. But in this metaphor, if you will, because it is a cerebral problem, a neural problem, you can't just massage those muscles away. So even if you were to do a deep tissue massage to your traps right at the base of your neck that helps control and stabilize your head and shrug your shoulders, you can't just do a deep tissue massage and expect those muscles to release to the degree as someone who had a, um, overactive HRMT or lots of fascial lesions in that area. If someone had lesions in their traps, they would feel a significant amount of relief in that moment once the treatment was done. If someone gets a deep tissue massage and they are super stressed out and someone's just ripping them apart like beef jerky, what do you think they're going to do? Well, it hurts, so you're going to tense against it. Well, if my brain has been sending signals to my body to tense all day and then I go to get a deep tissue massage and that's making me tense even more, that's going to compound the problem. 
So in one instance, the deep tissue massage is fantastic for helping to release muscle tension. In this instance, it's compounding the problem. So again, this is not to say anything is good or bad, only is it appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish? So if doing a deep tissue massage makes you walk away feeling worse, there is a high degree of probability that your issue is not simply a muscular problem, but a neuromuscular problem. Something is up with the control box driving the car. So in this case, treating the symptoms, aka the muscle tension, is not going to help you. You need to be going after the problem. In this case, obviously the, the elephant in the room is always oh, don't be so stressed. Well, that's easier said than done, right? Some of us can't just quit our jobs, the, the stressful jobs, because that's, you know, that's the, the, the hand that we were dealt in life, or that's the position that we're currently in, and we can't change it anytime soon. However, there are things that you can do to mitigate the stress. Obviously, there's stress relief techniques and yada, yada, yada. But in our case, the tools that we're dealing with are soft tissue work. So when you are performing soft tissue, if you're having a massage done, getting a Swedish massage or a very light superficial massage is going to have a lot of neural benefits because it's very gentle, it feels smooth, it's not aggressive, and because of that, it's easier for our bodies to relax. So just as the mind can have control over the body, the inverse can also be true. The body can have control over the mind. So if you are doing something very calm and soothing with the body, that can help calm the mind. Additionally, just the thought of having that nice, calm, controlled, repetitive motion, that can also help us focus and tap into what we call our parasympathetic nervous system, or basically our off switch. Our sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight. Well, that's the thing that's being overrun with stress. When you're stressed, that's your sympathetic nervous system. That's what gets you engaged, turned on. You've probably heard about this. It's the fight or flight, right? Stressors centuries ago was you're running for something trying to eat you. So blood pressure goes or heart rate goes up, increased vascularity, muscles perform, eyes wide open, we're wide awake, we got to get the heck out of here. So fight or flight, either you turn and you want to have everything op operating in optimal performance so we can fight for our life or we can get the heck out of Dodge. In this instance, or in our culture, by and large, we're typically not running the risk of being eaten by something, but usually it's dealing with unruly customers or an angry boss or flippant coworkers, you name it. So these confrontations trigger the same primitive response, which is the sympathetic system. So we have to counter that. For every yin, there's a yang. So our counter to that is our parasympathetic system, or the off switch in this case, or the wusa, whatever you want to call it. So being able to leverage some of these soft tissue techniques to tap into that parasympathetic system will help you manage some of those stressful situations. So if you've had a rough day at work, coming home and doing, say, a foam roller or lacrosse ball, but not using it to the manner that you are really digging in there and trying to undo those knots that don't exist, but just creating that nice, calm, 
relaxing, repetitive motion and only applying enough pressure so that it feels decent, right? Just like a Swedish massage, very light, very superficial, can be very calming and help bringing you down a peg. Also for problem areas, this can be good for what I would call proprioceptive training, which is just fancy talk for learning to control your body better. Proprioception is simply our body's awareness of itself in space. So if I say lift your right hand and you lift your left, you've got pretty pretty poor motor control. But if you close your eyes and I say, okay, lift your hand one inch and you lift it 11.5, um, I'm sorry, if I, if I say lift your hand one foot and you lift it 11.5 inches, that's pretty darn close. If I say lift your hand one foot and you lift it six inches, eh, you need a little bit better control. But case in point, is if you are not good at activating certain muscles. So if I say pull your shoulder blades together and you're not able to do that or use those, activate the muscles right between your shoulder blades and you can't sense or, or actively get in tune with that part of your body, that is a lack of motor control or proprioceptive awareness. So using some feedback like a lacrosse ball, tennis ball, massage ball, whatever your weapon of choice is, placing it in your back in that spot that I was talking about and then trying to flex against that ball and relax and flex and relax. You're now using that as a tool to get in tune with those muscles, but you're also helping your brain to focus on something and forget about other things forget about the rest of the world and forget about your stress so you're kind of knocking off a couple birds with one stone here so you're doing light superficial that feels good you're distracting your brain from the stressors from the day or at hand and focusing on a very simple and primitive feeling of getting that proprioceptive training which in turn helps the muscles relax because now you're using additional skills or additional techniques what we call proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation or PNF as the bigwigs like to call it to trick the muscles into shutting off. So if you do have some HRMT going on or some fascial lesions, what have you, you can kind of knock off all three in one fell swoop. So if you are doing self myofascial release or SMR which is just a big fancy term for self-massage through certain tools like lacrosse ball, tennis ball, uh, massage ball, foam roller. If you're a big gym nut you can even use gym equipment like kettlebells, barbells, dumbbells. They're insanely effective if you're very smart in your approach. You can effectively knock off all three of these in one fell swoop. So in the instance of if I'm rolling out my quads, so I'm face down on a foam roller, foam roller is across my thigh, so I'm going perpendicular to the way my muscles run, I can very slowly roll up and down. If I find a sore spot on there, I can stop, breathe, deep inhales through the nose, exhales through the mouth, helping to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system, so I'm calming my mind just in case there is any stressors that could be causing undue tension by staying on that point i can then do some quote-unquote pnf or contract relax so i can slowly bend my knee and then relax and then straighten my legs so i'm 
activating and relaxing my quad in the process. So now I'm getting in tune with how to control that particular muscle and feeling the muscle activate when I'm rolling against it. So I'm helping to do some of the fascial release right there, trying to work that spot free. By doing and focusing my breathing, I'm doing a little bit more PNF, or uh, excuse me, a little bit more uh, parasympathetic response. And I'm able to knock out many of those issues in one fell swoop by doing soft tissue. So doing self-work has arguably a little bit more benefit in terms of that all-encompassing approach. Of course, the trade-off from not having a professional do it is if you yourself are not an anatomy savant, you could get into trouble. So if you're putting your lacrosse ball in a point where there is a nerve or an artery, you could, in theory, cause nerve damage or circulation damage. Now, our bodies are not that fragile. If you're on a nerve, your limb or appendage will start to go numb, at which point you go, well, that didn't feel good, and you'll come off of it. Or if you're on an artery or a vein, your body will go, huh, my leg is getting really cold. I should probably get off that point. So it's as easy as it is to do wrong. It's also kind of hard to really get hurt unless you are just being overly aggressive about it. So speaking of overly aggressive, that would be a word of warning to certain ask certain tools like, for example, the, um, I won't name, name brands or names, but effectively it is a gun with like a lacrosse ball on it. Imagine like a, a jigsaw with a lacrosse ball attached to the end where it is just jamming this ball against you. So you're now using a, a really advanced tool for effectively deep tissue massage for yourself. The problem is, is that it's a little bit hard to guide. So if you don't know your anatomy, it could be easier to get onto like a bony prominence. Like if you're trying to do your quads, you could get too close to say the outer part or getting too close to your hip, getting too close to your knee. If you're trying to do your low back, you could actually hit your spine, um, which of course won't feel good, but heaven forbid you have a bone density problem, you could actually chip off one of the... Um, prominences of your spine which would be extremely painful and because the machine operates at a higher intensity you're automatically ruling out your ability to help tap into your parasympathetic system because it's pretty aggressive it's really hard to relax when something is basically hitting you at a very high uh, rate of rpms and it's diminishing many of the benefits of doing it yourself being able to apply your own body pressure to get into a certain point. So I would caution against getting too getting tools that are too complicated, too expensive, and too aggressive with what you're trying to do. Starting out with something as simple as a foam roller and a lacrosse ball and a little bit of knowledge on how to adequately address certain muscles. It's effectively a encyclopedia of techniques that you could be doing because every muscle in the body is fair game you just need the right tool to approach it and knowledge of where it is and how to activate the muscle you're trying to go after the vast majority of that can be found online there's many great resources on youtube when dealing with a knowledge source like youtube my two cents is watch 
three to four different videos because if you can watch three to four different videos over the same thing for in the, for in this case like how to massage the bottom of my foot there's in undoubtedly going to be overlap and that's exactly what you're looking for because if three or four different people are all saying basically the same thing then you're probably off to a good start if three of those say one thing and one video is way out in left field chances are that person doesn't know what they're talking about and you're going to be able to use the rest of the videos as essentially this is the general consensus and that person was the outlier so in this instance being able to massage the bottom of your foot not insane rocket science using a lacrosse ball or tennis ball depending on the severity of your tension and what you're able to tolerate and what technique you're trying to employ you can use that valuable resource youtube to find easy to do techniques at home on your own the purpose of today was to help you realize that there is no gold standard there is no best technique to address soft tissue work so deep tissue massage swedish massage rolfing uh hot cupping dry needling smr you name it there are so many different techniques out there and the reason there are so many is because they all have their pros and cons so swearing by one technique is effectively cornering you in a box and limiting your ability to address your issues the more tools you can have in your toolkit the more problems you're going to be able to tackle when they're thrown at you so if you swear as the i guess the old expression is if the only tool you have in your toolkit is a hammer then everything starts to look like a nail <laughs> and we all know that not everything in the world is a nail there's you gotta there's many tools wrenches screwdrivers nuts bolts ratchets like the whole nine right you can't just use a hammer to fix every problem so saying that one technique is the end-all be-all right there should be your red flag that this person really doesn't know that much of what they're talking about and you should probably turn and run in the other direction so what we want to do is help you understand when to best utilize these tools so even if you don't know the ins and outs a brief description ought to be able to tell you is this technique aggressive is this technique being done to myself or am i in control of this knowing those you'll be able to dictate can i use this to help create a neuromuscular response if i'm doing it to myself i'm in better control of what's happening if it is aggressive that's going to be more for your hrmt and fascial issues and not stressors if it's going to be low intensity done by another person that's going to be a little bit easier to tap into that parasympathetic or off switch so those are the three types of what i would argue muscle tension symptoms that people can come across the three different buckets your hrmt your stress or neuromuscular tension and then your fascial issues so depending on those three buckets you might need to use different tools to figure out which of those it is of course we are not all trained to identify and know the difference and quite frankly many professionals don't know what they are either 
but through using these techniques, you can then identify. The other beauty to soft tissue work is that, by and large, there are very, very, very insanely few instances where doing the wrong technique will create a acute problem. So if I have, let's say, I don't know why my muscle's tight, but I choose to lead with a deep tissue massage and it doesn't get better. It might hurt a little more, but the chances that I'm going to break my leg or have something catastrophic happen is insanely small. On the flip side, I would probably start with something a little bit more gentler and ease into it because it's something like a Swedish massage or just some very calm, slow rolling self massage is doesn't fix the problem then we know it's likely not a neuromuscular issue but in the act of doing said soft tissue work if you find a spot that really hurts you've been able to identify oh well, there's a knot that could potentially be a fascial lesion or adhesion lesion whatever you want to call it if the whole muscle is insanely tight and doing a nice Swedish doesn't work, then going a little bit deeper and trying to activate that GTO, that off switch, I might have then identified that this is more of an HRMT or a postural or resting tension problem. So through some of the soft tissue work, you can also be simultaneously performing diagnostics. So always learning, reattempting, re reassessing, learn, reassess, learn, reassess, and see what works, what doesn't, and then change your game plan. So this is a great, great way to figure out how to go about tackling these issues by identifying what these issues are. So your three buckets, resting tension, stress tension, neuromuscular, and then your fascial lesion knots, whatever you want to call that. So those are your three buckets. And then using your soft tissue tools, Swedish massage start out easy, whether you're doing it yourself or you're there for professional. Obviously, the professionals are going to be able to get in there. Hopefully, they're a little bit more open-minded and not just a, not just wielding a hammer and seeing everything as nails. But then, talking to them, asking these appropriate questions of, does this feel like a knot? Does it feel like it's the entire thing that's janky? Is it being responsive to the treatment? And knowing and asking these questions, you can better determine what bucket you're dealing with and of course once you've narrowed it down you know what tools are better to address that particular bucket of problems so that was soft tissue work principles in a nutshell so hopefully that wasn't too long-winded or obtuse if you will um, but that should give you a hopefully a better understanding of what soft tissue work does and how it can benefit the body and of course when your muscles are performing better it makes sense that things like range of motion quality of movement and performance can all excel and when you can move better life is just better period because we are born to move and if you can't move life's pretty miserable so Soft tissue work will never go away. It's a very, very important tool to have in your toolkit. So I strongly recommend if you aren't already finding time in your day to 
employ some soft tissue work to your body to help address any of your musculoskeletal problems, definitely find the time to do so. And there's lots of great tools online to research how to apply certain techniques. And the tools are cheap, cheap, cheap. Foam roller you can get for dollars. Lacrosse balls you can get for cents. It's it's too easy to not try. And the benefits are fantastic. So with that, I wish you good luck. And hopefully we will see you next time on Primating.